0: One of the cool things here at, at Daybreak is we actually work together as a couple churches, Daybreak and Renfrew. So when you see me uh, walk out of here at the end of my message, it's not because I don't like you. I just will carry the same message on with my friends at, at Renfrew. We share resources together. It's a really cool relationship that God has blessed us with between these two churches. We're in this message called Doubting God. And and today I want to give you one. uh, I want to talk about one of the big reasons why some people doubt God, or maybe I should say they doubt Christianity. When you think of it, one of the reasons that people doubt isn't because of the way that Jesus lived. They don't doubt Christianity because of the way Jesus loved. The reason that so many people might doubt Christianity is because of what Jesus claimed. So let me try to explain that this morning. You, you probably noticed that in our culture today, you can talk about God. You can even talk about spirituality, and there's not going to be a lot of controversy in that. But when you bring up the name of Jesus... Things can get tense at times. It's interesting when you think about it because almost everyone actually likes Jesus. You don't have to be, uh, you don't have to be a Christian to actually like the guy who loves sinners. He was amazing. He was gracious to people. He spent time with the poor. He humbled oppressive leaders who took advantage of widows. He went to parties and restocked wine barrels at those parties. He multiplied a boy's lunch and had an all-you-can-eat picnic on the side of the mountain. People like how Jesus lived and how he loved. They might just struggle with the exclusive claims. When you objectively look at Jesus, you have to admit he was ridiculously humble. The guy would wash his own disciples' feet. That was a job reserved for those who were seen as the lowest in all society. He was ridiculously humble. But he wasn't modest at all. For example, you may know the story... Lazarus, his friend, died, and Mary and Martha were freaking out. Jesus just didn't say to Mary and Martha, Oh, well, that's life. That sucks. He said, No, I'm the resurrection and the life. Oof, that's a bold claim. Whenever the Pharisees got mad because he did miracles on the Sabbath, they would say to him, You can't heal on the Sabbath. And he said, No, you don't understand. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. It's a pretty bold claim. An audacious uh, claim, enough to say, if you love your mom or your dad more than you love me, you're not worthy of me. One of the reasons that so many people doubt Christianity isn't the way that Jesus lived. And not because of the way that he loved, it's because of what Jesus claimed. He actually claimed that the Father and Him are one and that He is the only way to God. In fact, if you look in at John 14, there's a powerful declaration that Jesus made when He was comforting His disciples. He said, I'm going away and I'm going to prepare a place for you. We've already talked about this character in the story, Thomas. Thomas asked in John 14, where are you going? And Jesus said this in John 14, 6, it'll be behind me. I, Jesus, am the way. I, Jesus, am the truth. I, Jesus, am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, people don't criticize the way that Jesus loves people. They don't criticize the way that Jesus lived. They criticize the audacity that he made to actually make that exclusive claim. Jesus can't be the only way to God. Man, that's way too exclusive. That's not fair. Is he the only way? Matt, that's your opinion, and you're invalidating someone else's opinion So really, you're that smart? Your theology is the right one? Everyone else is wrong? That's how right you are? It then leads me to this next logical thought. It really probably doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Because there's so many people, so many different people, which leads me to the thought, well, well, certainly all paths must lead to God. And to some extent, all religions must be the same. Friends, that sounds reasonable, right? That feels loving. It feels inclusive. The problem is that's just not true. It's not true that all religions are the same. You could look at all sorts of world religions and you can find things that add value and things that are beautiful and things that are helpful and things that are true. And though you can find things that are beautiful and true, we have to acknowledge that they're not the same. See, Christianity believes in a personal God who loves his people unconditionally, who became one of them in person, in the person of Jesus and sacrificed his life for the forgiveness of sins. So we have to acknowledge, although it feels kind of good to say all paths lead to God, All religions are basically the same. There may be truth and beauty in most, but they are not the same. So what I want to do today is I want to plead with you and invite you to consider Jesus. Just Jesus. Let me be clear. I'm not talking about considering our church daybreak. Because daybreak doesn't get everything right. I'm not asking you to consider Christians because many Christians don't get it right. Some of us could claim that we love and we're full of grace and we're generous. Some of them I don't want to claim sometimes. They can be very, very hurtful, narrow-minded, critical, and judgmental. So Christians, don't consider even our church, and don't even consider me, because unfortunately, as much as I want to be always God-honoring, I'm capable of sin. To the best of my ability, I try not to, but somehow I still seem to let people down. Don't look at any of those things. What I want you to do is consider Jesus. And what we're going to do today is actually consider three aspects of Jesus. Here's the very first one. I want you to consider the ministry of Jesus. Just the ministry. Just the way that Jesus loves people. The outcomes of what would happen whenever Jesus was around. Let's contrast that with a a group of religious leaders known as the Pharisees. The Pharisees were religious leaders that would snub those people with loose morals, those people who had a past, those people who were way too poor or too different or had something wrong with their bodies. They wouldn't let people into their synagogues. Their religious leaders would often snub them, those that other people despised, ignored, and rejected. Jesus loved and, and he accepted them. Friends, consider the way that Jesus loved people the way He treated people. In fact, you can read about it in Mark chapter 2. It's going to be behind me on the screen. Mark 2.16 When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw Jesus eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked His disciples, Why? Why would He eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor. But the sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Friends, for a second, imagine the compassion that you would have felt if you were sitting there. If you're one of the ones that is broken, lost, hurting, and dead in your sins, when Jesus said, I have not come for the righteous, I have come to call sinners. Just consider the ministry of Jesus. Think about the miracles. What did he do? What did he, what did he do to heal a blind man so he could see? He could open up deaf ears. He cast out demons. He walked on water. Jesus raised the dead. And here's what's interesting. Even if you're not a Jesus follower this morning, I want you to understand that his critics did not question the validity of his miracles. They just wanted Jesus to stop. Consider the ministry. The person sitting near you might be the result of Jesus' ministry. Because I promise you, I am. I'm telling you, let me promise you, I was different. Consider the ministry of Jesus the broken people that he loved, the lives that he changed. Consider his ministry. Here's the second thing. Consider the resurrection. What do we know about God? We know that he loves people so much, but he hates sin. The Bible teaches us that God became one of us in the person of Jesus, and Jesus, the Son of God, became sin on a cross, hanging naked and ashamed. While we, creation, mocked Jesus, He looked up to heaven and He prayed for them as they were cursing Him. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then He said, it's finished. I did what you sent me to do. Into your hands I commit my spirit. The moment that He did, earth shook. The Roman centurion who doubted the divinity or who Jesus was looked on and said, surely that man is the son of God. And three days later, there's a bunch of people who believe that the stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty. Peter, our friend Peter is the one who said this. Peter said this in Acts chapter three, verse 15. You, us, killed the author of life but God raised him from the dead. Peter said this, we are witnesses to this. We saw it. We were there. We experienced it. We touched him. We ate with him. He was dead. He's not dead anymore. But still some people would say, the disciples must have stolen the body. Well, to believe that, you'd have to believe that these unarmed guys overpowered some Roman guards and you'd still have the testimony of the guards. What's so interesting is when you look at this, you have to ask yourself, would you expect any rational thinking person to believe that 11 small-town, uneducated, average men devised the most elaborate, deceptive scheme in the history of the world, pulled it off, kept it a secret, and it continues to spread 2,000 years later? Friends, they did that with no personal motive. All they had was extreme personal loss, meaning of the remaining 11, all died a death like a martyr, except for one lucky one, John. John lived, and they dipped him in boiling oil, and somehow he survived that. He was lucky enough to be cast off to an island, exiled to the island of Patmos, and every single other one of the men who saw the resurrected Christ were willing to die for their faith. Extreme personal loss and cheating the whole world into a better place. Consider His ministry, His love and grace, and who He came for. Consider the resurrection of Jesus, that people saw Him. Hundreds of people saw Him and were willing to give their lives for Him. And here's the final one. Consider the message of Jesus. Just think about it. Look objectively at whats what it is what he taught. Consider the message of Jesus. I want to spend a couple minutes in here. Listen to what 1 John 4, one says. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. Test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Verse 2 is going to be on your screen. It says this. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. If you acknowledge that, that spirit is from God, I want to share with you some thoughts that I heard from an author named Tim Keller. He pointed out in Scripture that it always says that Jesus has come. In this instance, it doesn't say he was born. Of course he was born. But over and over and over again in the Bible, it says that Jesus came into the world. What that means is, if he came into the world, he was somewhere else before he was in this world. When you look at it, every other religious founder was a normal human being. Jesus was God in the flesh who came to this world That fact distinguishes Christianity from any other world religion. In flesh, embodied, he came into this world. Many Eastern religions will say you will overcome the world through stages of consciousness. In the West, where we live, there are many who believe that if you have good moral behavior... If you do good works, if you give to charity, if you do all the right things and through prayer, you may escape this world and you might just get into heaven. Christianity tells us that God so loved the world that He came to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. So the salvation of God through Christ isn't just to escape this world. But God actually will redeem this world. God will redeem death, disease, poverty, and injustice. Listen to what Revelation 21 verse 4 says. He, God, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no mourning, no crying, no pain. For the old order of things has passed away. That's why, friends, one day, God will wipe away every tear from your eye. There'll be no more death, no mourning, no crying, no pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Catch this this morning. God just doesn't deliver us from the world He created. He redeems the world as He redeems His people to reign with Him for all eternity. When you look around, what do you believe? I can't convince you. I'm not even going to try. But one day you'll die. You go somewhere to the ground. You become a butterfly. You go to heaven. You go to hell. One day, no matter how many Instagram followers you have, how many different shoes you have in your closet, where you went on vacation, one day you will die. At some point... Hopefully before that, you're going to ask, what's the meaning of life? Many people will conclude, well, we've got to find the truth. Let's get to the truth. It's interesting that sometimes when people know the truth, they become arrogant. I've got the truth. You're stupid. I'm right. I've got the truth. Friends, that can be a weaknesses, or that can be a weakness of Christians. Any other world religion, we've got the truth, we know better. What Jesus says to us is to be humble. Don't create pride when you follow him. So friends, choose your truth. What's your truth? Whatever truth you choose, there's going to be some rules. Let me tell you this. Rules can't hug you. The rules can't forgive you. The rules can't encourage you and the rules can't love you. So if it's not truth, what's the meaning of life? Well, let's try love. Let's find acceptance with people. Let's be popular. Let's find the perfect person who meets our every need and is our soulmate and fulfills our dreams and makes every love song on the radio make sense and makes the little hairs on the back of our neck stand up. The one when I walk in says, my hero is home and I love you so much and we've been happily married forever and we've never had a fight. Let's find that person, friends. The problem is when you find that one, you suddenly realize they're imperfect, just like you. They let you down. And I don't know what they might do, but they might lie to you. They might be self-centered. They might not even live up to your expectations. So you conclude, well, just as truth can't love you, those who love you aren't always true. They're flawed. So what do we do? We do what so many people have done today. We abandon truth. I'll do my own thing. Whatever feels good to me, I'm gonna do it. We abandon truth and we get cynical about love. And the end result is we post hateful comments on social media. Okay. We just do our own thing. But can't trust people, so we go through life better. Jesus said this, and it's an audacious claim. And he's either true or he's crazy. But Jesus is not a hobby, he's not an add-on, he's not a feel-good toy, he's not your therapy, he's either who he says he is or he's full-blown crazy. But he's nothing in between. That's why we don't take it lightly, not just church membership and showing up and doing good things. It's a sincere, honest examination that you will not be here one day on this earth. And you better ask yourself some questions. Friends, I'm asking you to consider Jesus. What he claimed was, is, that he is the only way to God. He said he's the life that you've been looking for. He claimed that he's the truth. If he's the truth, then truth isn't just an idea. Now, we can say truth is a person in Jesus, and because truth is a person, then Jesus is a truth that can actually love you. And because Jesus is without sin, that then he has a love that will never, ever let you down. And that's why I would declare to you with every little bit of faith that I have in Jesus, that Jesus is the name above all names. At his name, one day, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess. And so if you wonder, what's the meaning of life? Am I too bad for God? I want to invite you to consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. Romans 3 says this, the righteous is given through faith in Jesus to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood, to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So friends, how are we made right with God? By placing our faith not in our good works, not in our church, not in our religious belief system, not in our own effort, but by placing our faith in Jesus. This is true for everyone who believes. I want you to watch this. No matter who we are, no matter what you've done, no matter how dark your life is, no matter how often you've fallen short, no matter what the secrets that you don't want anyone to know about you, how are you made right with God? The Bible teaches it's by Jesus and Jesus alone. We would say it this way. It is Christ plus nothing. Take any religious system, any religion. Oh, it's about me, what I do, my goodness friends, this is about Jesus and his goodness. You take a religious system, and it teaches if you really love God or whatever it is, then you'll obey, then you'll be good, and then you'll try harder. Christianity says, because God first loved me, I get to choose to obey. I want to worship him, I want to live for him because he initiated while I was still sinning, he came from heaven to earth to give his life for me. It's about Jesus. Religion is always spelled do more. Christianity is always spelled done. It was done. It was paid on the cross. You can't add anything to it. The work is perfect. It's been done. Jesus declared, it's finished. And He claims to be the way. And He claims to be the truth. And He claims to be the life. And either He's right or He's crazy. I would just ask you to consider. I have the faith to believe that He, he is who He says He is. But Matt, he's so inclu- exclusive. Christians are so exclusive. Matt, you're just so narrow. Yeah, Christianity is exclusive. Listen, it's the most exclusive of everything you're ever going to see because God through Jesus lets the weakest, the most broken, the worst sinners to come. And so I don't know about you, but the grace, that's the love, the truth. And I believe that he's the way. And so I choose to surrender all my life and follow him. Not a hobby, not an add-on, not an, oh, I feel good when I go to church and then they play my favorite song. I died to myself following him because I believe his name is above every other name. His name is Jesus, and I ask you to consider Jesus. Jesus said this in John 10, the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This week on Good Friday, it seemed all broken. All hope was gone. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or ever imagine, according to his power that is work at, is that is at work in us so here's the question today what broken area do you have in your life is it in your finances is it in your health is it in your relationship the same resurrection power that raised jesus from the dead is still available today jesus is a guy who specializes in taking dead things and making them alive. Let me pray. God, if I said anything that wasn't of you, take it from my friends' minds. If you made the words that I uttered make sense to my friends, make it the Holy Spirit that prompts, guides, and leads. Lord, we love you. We adore you. We proclaim that you're God. God. God, it would be foolish for me not to assume that there's some of my friends who don't have a relationship with you. Lord, may they consider Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith. We love and adore you. We ask all this in your name. Amen.